Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the 31st day of May. I'm your host, Paul White. As we do every month here on the podcast, the final day of the month is dedicated to the essay that we write about various topics, whatever's on our heart at the moment. This month, we write about our writing, our writing, the book of Jonah, with just a little brief look at what's going on in our lives at the very beginning. If you'd like a written copy of this, it's available at paulwhiteministries.com. So now, on to the essay edition for May 2022. As I close another month, I reflect on how full and fulfilling it has been. My wife and I traveled to Nebraska to attend the conference baseball tournament for our son Lucas and to watch him receive his degree in psychology from Doan University. It was a moment of high emotion and immense pride, pride in the man he has become and in the fact that he did what he set out to do. Then we returned to Georgia to watch our daughter Lauren graduate from Flowery Branch High School. Again, more emotion and excitement while watching the young woman in whom we have such confidence take that next step of her life into a future brimming with possibilities. Natasha and I could not be happier in this season of our lives. I've also returned to the road, with our ministry calendar filling up with meetings and conferences and churches with people we love and admire. These meetings, coupled with the multiple local groups with whom we now do life, mark a season of our ministry in which we feel valued and loved like never before. All of you are a part of that, and you have our undying affection. Needless to say, these events have left little time for anything else. And the one thing that needs a little more time is the book that has occupied so much of my spare time in the last year. In the summer of 2021, I began the reading and note-taking process that coalesced into a book titled Greater Than Jonah. I shared a few essays late in the year that cataloged where I was and where I was going. Those essays served as a bit of a springboard into a writing process that began in September and is now at the finish line. As I take the time to stop writing that in order to write this, I'm about halfway through the last chapter of the book, which looks at Jonah under the shrub, outside a forgiven Nineveh, in a confrontation with himself and his God. There'll be a brief conclusion to follow that chapter, but we are within eyeshot of the end. The work of editing and preparation is underway, and we'll have some idea of a release date very soon. So as I conclude this book, that has consumed so much of my time, I thought this essay could be one of informing you about that status and letting you in on what I've learned. Truthfully, such an exercise is more about me organizing what I've learned than anything else, so in any case, let's spend a moment with Jonah and Jesus. May it whet your appetite to spend more than a moment with them very soon. The first thing I learned was actually something I knew, but chose to push to the back of my mind. Writing is hard. For me, speaking is preferable to writing, though I know that the power of writing holds a permanence that speaking does not. And also, if one can write down what they think in an articulate manner, there is nothing they cannot do. Writing is powerful. It is the organization of thought-out processes and concepts, and he or she who can write has nothing that can hold them back. With that in mind, I push on with writing, using these essays as a monthly reminder that there is something to be written and it will not write itself. 
The book that will come out of this year-long process will be far from perfect and probably not even complete, but it'll be wrestled out, organized, and a reflection of where I am in this moment. Now, on to the deeper, more spiritual things that I've learned while leaving you plenty to dig into when and if you buy the book. I have learned an appreciation for the anti-hero aspect of Jonah. He is no David, he's no Moses or Elijah, though he has qualities of so many different characters that sometimes he is hard to pin down. What he is, is the opposite of the classic hero. Jonah is a full-color version of what not to do and what happens when we refuse to learn our lessons. His story is less about what he is sent to do and more about him, which makes him unique in the pantheon of the prophets. Isaiah writes about what is happening and what is to come. Jeremiah and Ezekiel are the same way. There are little moments in their books that are about them, but these are the exception, not the rule. Jonah is the opposite. His book features what he is doing as peripheral to the main point, which is him and his attitude. We may name our children Jonah because it's a popular name, but we wouldn't wish his attitude on our worst enemies. Now, I appreciate the anti-hero aspect of Jonah for the mere fact that it exists within the canon. It shows me that the Bible is not trying to present perfect characters or flawed ones who are redeemed into better versions of themselves. There's no such redemption story for Jonah. He's just plain wrong most of the time, and yet the story exists. It'd be safer and cleaner for it to have been left out of the record, but the anti-hero speaks to us all, giving us a character in which we can see ourselves from time to time, and not one we wish to emulate or idolize, but one we hope we do better than. In Jonah, we find hope in the oddest of places. I've learned that God is okay with the unresolved story. There need be no happily ever after in his narrative. Jonah does not end on a high note, but rather with a question, asked by God to a rebellious, sulking man-child. If such an ending were unpalatable to God, surely a fifth chapter would have been tacked onto the story. Maybe we would have seen Jonah get it right in the end, repent of his attitude, and then go to the next version of Nineveh, but without the mariners and the storm and the whale, a tight, concise, satisfying ending to a pitiful narrative. But no, we aren't so lucky because God is not so demanding. He knows that we do not always get this right, that we do not always answer the questions he asks. So Jonah ends where we often live, trapped between doing what we want and doing what we should, armed with the correct knowledge, but unable to pull the trigger, our spirits willing and our flesh weak. Writing about Jonah has reinforced my idea that there is an almost endless line of ideas that branch out of one biblical thought and lead into another. The most demanding thing about this book, other than the writing itself, was not what to include in each moment, but what to leave out. So many ideas presented themselves and had to be chased until they didn't make sense, then cut out for good or chased until they found their way back into the story and cemented themselves there forever. Some of these didn't show themselves until the actual writing began, and they rose as skeletons in need of flesh. Before the end, they were Ezekiel's army, formerly dry bones but now full of life and spirit. 
I pray the book is better because of these side excursions. I think it is, or at least I know that's how I like to read, and I'm confident someone else will enjoy the journey as well. The most important thing I walk away from the process of authoring this book is the very thing that drove me into writing it in the first place. Jesus is greater than everything else. And his story saves all other stories. Jesus as greater than Jonah is no real stretch. Of course he is. But his usage of that phrase is deeper than it first appears. Most things Jesus say are deeper than they first appear. He does not choose Jonah because he will say yes where Jonah said no. Or he will stay in the boat during the storm while Jonah will go overboard. Jesus is greater than Jonah because he will make the most of his three days and three nights. His journey into the whale of death will be the death of us all. His expulsion onto the shore will be the arrival of a new man on the earth. Where Jonah will ride the whale and learn nothing, Jesus will taste of death and conquer all. In Jonah, you have the anti-hero. In Jesus, you have the greatest hero of them all. There is more, much more. Jesus is greater in so many numerous ways, and we kick off the book with a chapter covering many of them. From there, we run with Jonah, flee from the mariners, ride the whale, stink like vomit on the Assyrian shore, and whine and moan under our little shade tree. You know, there were times I was so tired of Jonah and his attitude, and it was in those times that I realized I was really only tired of seeing myself there. In those times, I turned to Jesus to find the answer for all of my own whining, and in the end, I realized that while Jonah and his story is the subject, Jesus and his story is the solution. So as the old song says, turn your eyes toward Jesus. I did, repeatedly, and I can only hope it comes out in the writing. One final thought, which is fresh on my mind because it is right where I am in the writing of this closing chapter. God sends a worm to kill the bush that Jonah has taken shelter underneath. This bush grew miraculously the day before, sent by God to provide shelter. There's a lot there, not the least of which is the mercy of God despite Jonah's attitude. But the greatest lesson of all might be that God is giving it one more shot with Jonah. He did not learn what he should from the whale, that one must go into death and come out in resurrection to be what he should. So now... The shrub dies as a lesson to Jonah about what he must do. The sign of Jonah was also a sign to Jonah. Death and resurrection are the key to life. You have probably heard that last thought a lot in my preaching lately. Well, maybe now you know why. Grace to you.